Hi, this is Bernie Torrance. And I'm Carol Yoder, and we'd like to invite you to our program called Living Stones. It's time to move from being a stepping stone to a living stone. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Remember, God doesn't waste anything. You're created to be a believer, walking in wisdom and values. Well, I am so excited to be able to share today on concepts of recovery. That's the uh, things that we're learning from the recovery community that help us release the full potential in our lives. And uh, honored today to have Dr. David Smoon with us from Tennessee. I met David in the Global Entrepreneurs Institute, and he's been a powerful influence in my life. He introduced me to a book and a work uh, called Transforming Your Mind, and it's by the Mishlers. Uh, they talk about things like the, the hidden chambers that we tuck away these experiences in our life that have really exposed us and uh, hurts, hangups, and habits that they just cause those things. And so, you know, as we're developing as believers and we're discovering the gifts that God has put in us, it's important to recognize that we may have tucked away some things that God wants to bring out into the light so that he can heal. Let's join Dr. David right now. Tell us a little bit about that book, David. Well, Be Transformed is a phenomenal book that dives into how God created and designed us and what keeps us from functioning the way he wants us to. Um, so it's a very in-depth look at that. And it talks a lot about choice. And that's what one of the things that uh, we've been dealing with as we're going through pre-recovery because uh, there's choices we make. And, uh, and Nancy Mister was so strong in saying there are faith choices and contrary choices. What would be the difference? Well, faith choice is a choice that we're making to step out in faith and do something. A contrary choice is very interesting because now our, our faith choice is going in contradiction to what we would naturally think or feel. Um, and so it goes against our desires. So when we're being tugged to do something uh, sinful, for example, we have to make a choice to not do that no matter what we think or feel about it. And one of the things when we talk about sinful, the whole concept of sin, missing the mark, I mean, when we say sinner and sin, it's such a negative thing in today's world. But really what that is, it's, it's just we're out of alignment. That's what's taking place there, right? Yeah, it really is. And it's an amazing thing when we get out of alignment just a little bit. I know you've talked about this in the past when you're flying. Uh -huh. That little bit of misalignment over a course of time will cause a huge problem. And that's the same with us. If, if we're not lined up with what God wants, then we're not functioning the way he's designed. And we're not receiving from him the way he's designed and wants to bless us. So when we think about be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you've, you've made a life's work out of understanding Solomon's temple. And so take us there a little bit uh, as far as how that temple really represents the way that our mind and our will and our emotions work. Would you mind? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, Solomon's Temple is just a phenomenal blueprint about how God created and designed us. So when you look at the temple structure itself, there's three different areas there. There's the outer court. It's got five entrances. I correlate those five entrances to our senses, our five hmm. physical senses. Huh. And then there's the inner court, and there's three entrances to that inner court. And 
I think those three entrances represent our mind, will, and emotion. And then the actual temple itself had the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. And um, I correlate that to the spirit and the heart, just like uh, Nancy Missler does in the book, Be Transformed. So when you look at Solomon's temple, it is so detailed that every little thing in that represents something about how God created and designed us. So, for example, when you're in the Holy of Holies, that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. If you come straight out of there, you run into the holy place. That would represent our spirit and our heart. But there's a door right there, and that's the choice point that Nancy talks about so much. We can choose to open that door and allow God's love and his life to flow out into our soul where our mind, will, and emotions is at. Uh Or we can choose to close that door and walk in the flesh, which would be the sinful nature. And one of the things that uh, was so powerful in this study is that the architecture, we, we looked at the size and the magnitude of like the lava and, and the Ark of the Covenant, how that was. But there were these chambers that you walked us into. <laughs> and that's what, as Dan and I and Carol have been talking, uh, they were really, uh, well, explain the chambers because they were really not hidden at first. Well, it's, it's a phenomenal thing when you study the temple because the chambers were built along the outside edge of the, the temple itself. So to get in the temple um, from the inner court, you'd have to walk up seven steps, and then there's a platform that the temple was built on. Mm-hmm. If you walk around the side entrance, there's these storage rooms that were built on there. They were three stories high. And that's where the priests would store the worship articles and the testimonies of Israel um, and mm-hmm. some of their worship um, things like that that they would put in there. And so that it looks like it was hidden, but it was actually in, you know, right there for everybody to see. But what would happen is they would hide things in there that wasn't supposed to be in there and it would defile the temple. So mm-hmm. we're talking about those hidden chambers um, the Hebrew word for that is chadar, uh-huh. and it's mentioned like 38 times in the scripture. Yes. And about half of those times that it's mentioned, it's referring to a secret place inside us. And so it's a very in-depth study, and Nancy goes into that in her book in detail. But we're supposed to put our uh, our great memories, our testimonies, yes. the things that God's done for us in those places But sometimes what we do is we put hurt in there, we put abuse in there, we put all kinds of stuff in there that defiles us. So when we're functioning, we our minds will reach back into that place and grab those memories and pull them out. And that influences how we make our choices in the next situation. So those those chambers are really key for holding on to the testimonies of what God's done or some of the hurts and the other things that negatively influence us. One thing that we saw in this 17th week study was that those chambers kept surfacing. And even in Dan's speaking with us, Carol, he'd say, oh, that was in the hidden chambers." So we were learning a language to talk about where we got this stuff put. But uh, it's just amazing. It's not all exposed at once. Like we can go through a lifetime of course correction and, and still be cleaning out these chambers. Yeah, we really can. And here's the interesting thing. We can pursue trying to, you know, run in that room and dig the stuff out like we would in our garage and throw stuff all over and figure out what's in there. That's actually a little bit destructive. 
what the scripture teaches is search me, O God, and mm-hmm. show me. And so when we approach it and allow God to bring those things out as he desires, if we're honest with ourselves, he'll show us what we need to deal with as we need to deal with them and then give us the grace to overcome that. So as I look on my life, so much of my hidden chamber things that surfaced in this study really were before I was 20 years old, man. <laughs> How I'm 70 now. How can 50 years of stuff be laying in there that I have not either prayed out or delivered out or <laughs> cried out? I mean, I mean, I mean, what happens, Dr. David? What happens in the mind and the emotions then? Well, you know, I've had those same things in my life, and uh, rejection was one of those really yep, big ones yep. for me. I grew up and I wasn't really accepted in my own family. And so I had some rejection issues there from parents and stuff like that. And so what happens is that gets laid in there as a foundation and we may deal with it once, but the next time something comes along, it can reinfect that area, if you will. And we have to make sure that those things don't continue to grow. So if we're diligent, we're seeing those things, we're dealing with them. If we're not really diligent, then other things can connect with it or those issues can come back and start growing again. It's it's uh, kind of like uh, when you look in the back of your fridge way down there on the bottom and the uh-huh. back shelf. Yeah. <laughs> There's some stuff in there and it may be growing, right? Um, and so sometimes what happens in us is that's laid deep inside. We know that there's something back there, but we kind of moved on. But over time, it grows and then it starts infecting other things around it. I've been in the church a long time, uh, David, and it feels like those are things that as believers, we say, well, those are covered. We don't Mm -hmm. want to talk about them. So how do we bring them out in a safe and healthy way and and actually deal with them and speak to the church actually talking about things in those chambers? Well, it is unfortunate that, you know, we have this once and done mentality and, you know, I I dealt with that once or it's under the blood. I don't need to look at that again. And that's really not the case. Um, You know, for me in, in my life, I've had some issues where, for example, somebody's hurt me in the church and, you know, I can forgive them. And then, you know, three days later, I'm thinking about it and emotionally and mentally, I can stir that back up and I can cause a whole big issue in my own mind. Or sometimes what we don't really identify is that the enemy targets that and stirs us up in those Uh thoughts Mm -hmm. and in those emotions. And as soon as that gets stirred back up, those things become alive again. And so, you know, we have to go through a process of forgiving that person all over again sometimes. I know in, in my family of origin, I had to do that many times with my mom. I didn't have a good relationship with her. So I would forgive her, but then something would happen and I would have to forgive her again. And Mm -hmm. in the church, we just like to say, well, we've forgiven them and moved on. And unfortunately, there's a little more to it than that. Sometimes we need to forgive somebody over and over and over. That's what's amazing to me is that uh, I was looking at the book and how uh, we would actually talk about the fact that the transformation of the mind is that. It's the continual. We are continually transforming. It, it, when you say one and done, 
Uh, I've always likened it to the the butterfly, but it really isn't in human nature. That, it, that, that there are those faith choices that I have to make because the contrary or the other thoughts will come in, and you're you're we're we're casting them down. I believe yep. one of the things that we really looked at was you know bringing all thoughts into captivity. Help us with that, David. <laughs> That's a great thing. I love teaching on the thought process because if if we catch the thoughts when they first come in then we can identify them as godly or ungodly, and we can reject the ungodly ones. I mean, just think about how natural that is. If you identify a thought that's coming in as godly or ungodly, it's almost natural to reject the ungodly. If we don't take them captive and we don't catch them right away, then we start dwelling on that. And Scripture calls that an imagination. And when something hits that imagination stage, our emotions get connected mm-hmm. and it really picks up a lot of steam and it builds strongholds in us because we allow that to continue in our own mind. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. That's where we, we really become defeated. So when we're guarding our thoughts and taking every thought captive, that's an important process to keeping those hidden chambers cleaned out because mm-hmm. we don't want to take something and stuff it back in there and cause a new problem. As Coach Dan has been talking with us on the pre-covery, that's the whole thing is these 24-hour compartments where he's able to deal with it because the natural, we called it go-to, was that what mm-hmm. it was, Carol? Right. The natural go-to. A substitute was, that we have. Yeah, to go to a substitute yeah. to try to numb that. So you're saying we can deal with it before we would ever have to numb it. Yes, yes, exactly. So let me go back to the idea of rejection again. For me... Uh, because I grew up with that rejection issue, that kind of, you know, has run through my whole life. So when I'm in a situation that I know there's a potential for rejection, I can either choose to ignore it and go headlong into it and potentially get hurt again, or I can be on guard and watching for those things. And when the enemy or my own mind starts Mm -hmm. saying, this person doesn't like you or, or they've rejected you, no, I take that thought captive in the name of Jesus and I cast that out. And, and like Coach Dan talks about, if you're doing that on a daily basis, it's actually not that difficult to manage. But if you don't, that's when we run into problems with it building up. This is so important in our life. And I want you to speak to this. In the world today, we hear things like, follow your heart. This is my truth hey, what's good for you is not Mm -hmm. good for me. Can you speak to that in the realm of Christianity? Because what you're saying is we have to have a foundation of knowing what thoughts are from God and what thoughts are the enemy. And when they come in, how do we sort them? And how do we know what truth is? Oh, man, this is is so (laughs) critical. Oh, man. This is where we connect with the principles that Lared and GEI and John Schrock taught. This is where it becomes powerful, because if we learn those principles of God's word, we have a foundation. So sorting through those thoughts, it can turn into somewhat of an automatic process. If you if you know the principle of honesty, that when you see a lie coming or when you see a lie that wants to come out of your mouth, you can go, wait a minute. I know the principle based on the word of God. And so it becomes very powerful when you put all of that together. The Word of God really does teach us what we need to know. And when you do the roundtables and and you go through those process of learning the principles, that gives you the ability and the tools that you need to discern 
good and evil, right and wrong, to guard the thoughts, to keep the hidden chambers cleaned out so we can forgive and walk forward. When you take away the foundation of truth, which is in the word of God, and you just start saying, what's good for me, you know, do whatever I feel, then you have no solid foundation and you just get pushed around to and fro and look at the result of that in our culture, the suicide rate, the depression rate, the stress, the anxiety, yes. the addictions, yeah. it's destructive. And that's not what God wants for us. Mm, it's off the chart. And p so many people, young people crying out for help, but they yeah. don't even know that they're crying out for that help. And so I just, what, what would you say, David, I'd love to hear you address this, that, um, talk about that growth through that process of cleaning out those chambers and the fact that some people would say that's human effort and when we when we have personal growth and things like that that we we're doing it in our own effort well there is effort on our side of this i mean we have to do something we have to take action we can't just sit back on the couch and, and expect that we're going to turn into something that's perfect. So it's the balance between the faith and the works. In my life, I can tell you what happened is I come out of addiction. I was messed up in all kinds of drugs and all kinds of other stuff. And when I got saved, what I realized is that the old person died. And I am a new creature in Christ. And so I have to figure out, who is this new person and how does this new kingdom work? How do I as a new person function? Because the other skills that I learned were not mm -hmm. doing me justice. They were not serving God's purpose in my life. And so this process of transformation is really learning what God says about something versus what I learned as a child or learned um, to meet a need. I mean, we, we do this, right? We get hurt. We, feel lonely. So we go to a relationship, we try to get that need met. And that can result in all kinds of ungodly behavior. So when we get rid of that, we have to learn what's the new way of doing it. And we have to take in the word of God, we have to learn these godly principles. So as we walk forward, we can be obedient to God, we can receive the blessings of God. But in the midst of that, if we don't take the time to look at what we learned, and examine is that godly or ungodly, uh -huh, then we uh -huh. can end up with a whole lot of ungodly behaviors coming into our new life that don't serve us well. Uh, you've talked about the governing principles. As a matter of fact, that in the the first work that I saw of yours was on the temple. But but explain how governing principles and how the governing uh, attributes of God are. Well, you know, I like to talk about the governing agent uh -huh. and. Uh, the governing agent should be our spirit. Our spirit should be ruling over our thoughts and our mind, uh -huh. you know, our emotions, all of that. And if you set yourself up with the principles so that your, your spirit man knows this is what the truth of God is, then you can override the natural thoughts, the natural emotions. Yes, yes. And the principles are powerful in that regard. Because if I get in a situation where I'm pressed, I may want to do something from the old nature that is ungodly. But the spirit can say, wait a minute, I know this principle of honesty. I know this principle of 
and we take those principles right, right. and we apply them and override the natural desires of our thoughts or our emotions. Mm. And that's the whole thing. The spirit part of us should should be in control rather than the soul. And it becomes yes. like muscle memory. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. I think about yeah. playing the piano. It's like I don't have to sit and think when I'm doing a scale. Okay, uh-huh. C, yes. D. No, I, I know the scale up and down, and it's muscle memory. And that's only from practicing uh-huh. it many times. And so speak to that as far as applying God's word. Oh, absolutely. Because we have a dual nature. We still struggle with that old sinful nature, and that's going to reside in that soul area. But we have a new nature that's coming from the presence of God indwelling us in the spirit of the heart. And so we have to make that choice, which one are we going to do? Mm-hmm. If we don't practice those principles and practice the truth, then we're going to default to the things that we've done based mm-hmm. on the old sinful nature, because that's what we have practiced. So, you know, you play the piano and you know that takes a lot of practice. Um, I'm learning jujitsu right now and there's repetition, there's practice. If you don't do that, when the pressure comes, Uh we default Mm. to the one way or the other. Whichever one we practiced more, whichever one we're prepared for, that's what we're going to do. Mm. Or, or unprepared <laughs> I was just thinking I just <laughs> yeah. I just sat down to play the piano I had some chords in there I haven't played in a long time and I, they were foreign to yes. me and it felt awkward And but I know when I'm in that rhythm yeah. it doesn't feel awkward it feels, it feels right it feels smooth it comes more easily yes. but here's the powerful thing you knew that it was awkward you yeah, sense it because yeah, if, if I sit down at the piano, it all sounds awkward. <laughs> you know? But you've trained yourself, yes. so you know when you're a little bit off, you identify it. And that's the power of learning the principles mm-hmm. and, and the Word of God. When it's a little bit off, the Holy Spirit says, hey, wait a second. And you go, oh, yes. And and what is our desire? To repent so that we can walk mm-hmm. correctly. Yes. You know, one of the things that we learned early on in, in this book was that when we receive the Lord, we are given a new heart. We get a brand new heart, but our mind is renewed. So it's almost mm. like you got the same mind there. It's been cleansed, sanitized, let's put it that way. But but you can still process it, and it can get those layers of grease right back on it, right, David? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, in the book, uh, Be Transformed, that Nancy wrote, she talks about that grease and yeah. how that grieves and blocks the Holy Spirit. And uh, we don't want that, right? We want it, We want that to be gone so that the Spirit flows through us. It's just beautiful. We're talking about this book. I just mm-hmm. want to be sure everybody knows what it yeah. is in mm-hmm. case they want to read it. But it's Be Transformed, Understanding God's Truth by Chuck and Nancy Missler. Yes, right. Then uh, they're, uh, well, you knew them as a couple, powerful couple, huh? Yes, I did. They were just awesome people, very instrumental in my life and uh, very, very powerful in the kingdom of God. They they have a lot of truth in the uh, book. They've got um way of agape and then be transformed that were just really powerful in my life one of the things that i've learned and i haven't had a chance to share this with you it's been with my my walk down this pre-covery was uh on that front cover do you remember when you said uh you had told them move it from the metamorphosis of a butterfly to the potter and so the new the new version had the the Mm. potter's wheel because of the you know we're in the hands of the potter but uh 
but I'm, I'm, I'm learning that transformation isn't necessarily what I thought it was, the actual emergences of a, of a butterfly because it, it, transformation is a state. And, and what I'm seeing now is that if I vary with my contrary choices, my non-faith choices, then I'm in a place where I need correction. And so there's a certain place that, that uh, I get and, and I can make a course correction and I can mm. come back. Then if I if I go beyond that again, I walk into what they say in the prison system of, of rehabilitation. Now now I've got to be rehabilitated. It's almost like something broke and I get in. But then the the last is when I hurt someone else, and that's really what we've learned in recovery. That so often the recovery process it, it hasn't just been you hurting yourself. There's collateral damage now that's been done to others. Mm. So so really this journey David, from uh, you know this summer on, for me has been understanding the state of transformation is in unity. Then there's correction that gently God will move me and correct me and love me and nurture me. And then there's that rehabilitation where I've just been stubborn and I'm saying I I know what that is. That now I broke something. Mm-hmm. You know now I've got to go through rehab. And then right. finally recovery where where literally. Uh, you know, we're looking at those collateral damaged areas in our life. And, and that's really, Carol and I are really focusing on that right now because all the years of ministry we've had, mm. I haven't had these tools to help people with. Right. I mean, I've, I've prayed right. and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I would never, ever uh, deny that presence and that incredible power of the Holy Spirit. But, uh, but sometimes when, when people, they don't want to make the choices and it's all, that's what this is driven with is there are choices yeah. involved. Well, and allowing people to choose, yes. you know, but I think for me in ministry, one of the things, the tools I wish I would have had or the maturity maybe was to talk more openly about the subjects that seem so taboo in the Uh church uh that we Mm want to come and we want, you know, Hey, yes, let's celebrate Jesus and we're in him Uh and his blood covers us. But really do we live still in chains Mm -hmm. and being able to free people from the chains? I I'm just curious, David, with all the study that you've done, what would you say to, um, young David. Yes. Wow. What what would you say to him? What would, what advice would you give him as a new believer? You know, I, I think that sometimes we don't recognize that dealing with the hidden chambers, those hurts, those wounds, those struggles that we have, the propensity to be drawn to a certain thing, those are some of the most difficult things to deal with. And so when we're looking at our younger selves or, or someone that's a friend or, you know, somebody that's struggling, identifying that this is one of the hardest things in the world uh-huh. to be honest and open, pull that stuff out and look at it. It's really difficult. And the church, unfortunately, has not been good at that. We don't want to have those hard discussions. We don't want to talk about uh, sexual perversity. We don't want to talk about addiction. We don't want to talk about identity crisis and all these difficult things. But that's really where people are at. So I try to strike a balance of understanding how sensitive it is and how hard it is for people to open up and be vulnerable. But also the church is just we have to do a better job at being honest and open mm-hmm. about it. Well, man, that 
first thing we talked about with rejection, if you wouldn't mind uh, praying for us, uh, David, because that's an identified thing that I'm sure many of the people that are, are listening to our podcast that uh, you know, we, we cover that up or we numb that up, uh, almost like with the Novocaine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, I've been, coach Dan had said that, that with one or two drinks, you know, he was king of the world, but going into that without that, you know, he just, it was that feeling. So yeah, let's, mm-hmm. let's pray for that. Would you mind? Yeah. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus And I lift up every person that listens to this podcast that has dealt with the issue of rejection. And I pray, Father, that you would draw that to the surface and give them a good godly coach and mentor in their life that can help them to deal with that and to understand that does not need to hold them captive. They can be free of it. And Lord, sometimes what we don't see is the connection between those deep issues like rejection and what we do to try to cover that or to soothe it over, whether it be drugs or alcohol or relationships. I pray, Father, that you would reveal those connections and that you would help every individual see your desire and your way of freedom to get out of the sin and to receive your blessings. Bring healing in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you. Please visit us at www.lored.org for more values-based leadership material. And if you've enjoyed this program, please sign up for the weekly downloads and share this podcast with your friends.